0: Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Devance Jain Nawal, founder of uh, The Healthy Company, a health tech startup leveraging biotechnology and AI. Devans is a graduate of uh, Netaji Subhas Institute of Technology. Uh, I would like to welcome uh, Devans. Hi, Devans. Welcome to ELI.
1: Hi, hi, Priya. Thank, thank you so much. It's it's great to be here. Uh,
0: Devansh, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so guys, as Priya pointed out, I'm Devansh Jain Nabal. I graduated uh, NSIT Delhi as a computer science engineer this year, and uh, for the past couple of years, I've I've been running a health tech startup by the name of the Healthy Company. And it's, it's, it's in the domain of health tech. So we understand your body and try to get you to achieve your health goals, whether it's losing weight, uh, gaining muscle, detoxing, or help people with diabetes, PCOD, thyroid. And we do that through a combination of AI, which is in the form of our mobile lab, which is a health coach, an AI health coach, and our range of superfood products. So it's green teas, granola bars, et cetera. So that, that's what you've been doing. We launched in June of 2019. And in the past one year, we, we acquired over 20,000 paying customers, uh, clocked in over two crores of annual revenue. And yeah, it's it's, it's been a journey. We recently raised our seed round, uh, the announcement of which was uh, in the news last month. And we had some marquee names coming in from the founders of Beardo, Venture uh, Catalyst, backed, Oyo, Innovate, OI.
0: Okay. The uh, next, uh, we will uh, we will discuss about the funding part. I went through your uh, uh, your story feature, and we'll come to that. Uh, first, uh, let's uh, let's start uh, with uh, what is healthy company. What are the different products and services we offer? And uh, also, uh, I'd like you to mention what is the core problem. Uh, What is the problem statement we are solving?
1: Sure. Uh, So, you know, I'll I'll basically start with the problem we are trying to solve. And the problem that we're trying to solve, it's very simple. I want to lose weight or look better or to improve my health, right? This is the core problem set that we're trying to solve. So whenever we look at slightly younger uh, audience and demographics, so 20 to 35 year olds, most of us want to either lose weight or gain muscle. It's a lot about aesthetics. I want to look better, particularly, and I want to look a certain way. When you move from 35 to 50-year-old, you slightly graduate in your mentality. towards. It's not about looks so much, it's more about your general health and your longevity of life. So you start thinking about your heart health, if you have diabetes, PCOD, thyroid, any of the lifestyle diseases, right? India is one of the largest hubs of such lifestyle diseases, right? And we see a massive, massive spike in our death rate, particularly because of these lifestyle diseases. We start thinking about these things a lot more. So we're trying to solve these core problems for these two audience sets. Uh, a little bit of context about me. As an 18-year-old, I weighed over 120 kilos. So I weighed 128 kilos when I uh, passed out from my school and I entered my college. And right now, I'm uh, 78 kilos, right? So I've been on my personal health journey of losing over 50 kilos. Again, my co-founder, Aksha, has again been on a similar journey. And that's where a lot of the insights... Uh, Would derive for the healthy company, so it's just about figuring out what worked really well for us, and just in uh, sharing that information through the medium of a startup, which is the healthy company. So that's the core problem we are solving, and a quick glimpse of the context as to we have about the problem. Now coming to the core product, right? Very simply, we have two core product lines. Number one is Eva, which is our AI health coaching mobile application. So you can go onto your Play Store, download Eva, for example. Uh, when you log in, it asks you what are your health goals, whether you're going to lose weight, gain muscle, then it will understand your body, all of the different parameters involved. And as you keep on using it, it will use AI to try and understand your preferences, what you like to eat, what works best for you specifically. For example, if you like to have cheat meals on Sunday and you can't diet on Sunday, it will recognize that. And it will make sure you strict the remaining six days so that you can cheat on Sunday. So that's, that's uh, the contextual learning we're doing on the app. And the second product line is our range of superfoods. So we have uh, the lean green tea, which is the most popular product that we have. Then we also have the lean bar. So these are catered towards weight loss. So you have the green tea and bar which are infused with spirulina superfood and it's clinically proven to help you boost metabolism for sustained permanent weight loss. So everything that we are doing, it's towards long-term sustainability and permanent results. Now we also have keto plans, immunity plans, for example. So we're just launching more and more products and uh, constantly investing in research and development in these new recipes.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, Devans, now let's uh, get into some interesting questions. First, tell us, when did you think of becoming an entrepreneur? Weight loss uh, is a problem that, that you have solved for yourself, but solving it for everyone uh, that is an entrepreneur. When did you think of becoming that? sure
1: uh so i mean what i'm going to tell you it's slightly different from the typical entrepreneurial story right so i never wanted to be an entrepreneur right i never had it in the back of my mind that yes entrepreneurship is something that i want to do or anything uh the healthy company right how it started was it started as a simple college project for a competition called the thought for food challenge which happens in brazil so it's a global conference and we uh, started as a college project regarding spirulina and algae and using spirulina as food as the future of food uh, because we just thought we were a bunch of five students we thought that you know we'll get a free trip to Brazil if we uh, you know make it into the competition and it'll be an all expenses paid trip and we'll get to go have fun and participate in the conference so that that was the idea and the first inception uh, eventually what happened is uh, so the, the competition happened uh, unfortunately we couldn't make it so we were the 13th in India, and the top 10 made it. Uh, But so we shared the idea, right? After that, one day we just saw an ad in the newspaper for a a government grant program for startups in the biotech space. So we just randomly applied to it, did not think too much. And turns out, a couple of weeks later, we actually got a call from there that you know, we really like your idea. We see its potential. Uh, Why don't you come and pitch? And at that point, we uh, started discussing. We told them that, you know, we, we, we really not interested in starting up or anything. But that person, right, the, the government representative, he actually motivated us that, you know, just give it a shot. We see potential in your idea. That's why we are calling you. And he sort of pushed us towards uh, pursuing this idea. So we went there, we pitched, uh, we got the government grant funding, which was a very small amount of around four, five or lakhs. Uh, but that was enough to get us started and to sort of instill that confidence in us that, yes, this is something that people are looking for. And as I mentioned, we were on our personal health journey. So we had used uh, spirulina and other forms of these organic superfoods for our personal journeys. And it helped us lose weight. So we just thought that, okay, let's let's try and bring the power of these superfoods to everyone. Because we are having them. We are seeing results. Just let's do that. So we started, we made certain uh, products like chocolates, bars, for example, infused with superfoods. And we just sold them at Diwali Mela's. You have these Diwali Mela's. Uh, that are basically mom-and-pop type exhibitions and everything. So we just booked a stall there and we started selling. And turns out it, it actually went really well. And the kind of response that we received from people, right, these things really helped them. So we had customers calling us up and finding us and asking that, okay, I bought it at that exhibition. Can you ship it to me now? So that's, that's when the light bulb moment we realized there is a demand and people were asking us to essentially ship more product. So, which is why then we, we made our own e-commerce site and we started selling the products. So, that's, that's uh, how the, uh, you know, originally the healthy company started. Then as we moved in, we talked to our customers. So, we were doing customer service for the first nine months. It was just me and Akshay doing customer service. So, we used to receive all customer queries. And during that time, we realized the need for diet and personalized consulting as well. So, you give them the superfood, but what else do they have in their entire day apart from the products? So which is the insight for Eva, ultimately, because we are both computer science engineers, so we had a background in computer science. I personally had multiple research publications in the fields of artificial intelligence and augmented reality. So which is I had the technical background so we could execute and develop the app. And, you know, this is, this is where we are at,
0: right? Okay. Very interesting. Um... Uh, Devansh, uh, now uh, my question is about the ecosystem of uh, entrepreneurs. So what is your thought uh, of India becoming a, uh, evolving as an ecosystem of entrepreneurs? Like you mentioned, uh, there was some government representative who encouraged you to uh, pursue um, entrepreneurship, otherwise you would have not, maybe, uh, I'm, I do not know. So uh, how what role does it play? Uh, in um uh, you know making someone entrepreneur or not and the next question is uh, how do you see our current form of uh, government and other you know current mindset evolving towards entrepreneurship what is happening in india sure
1: so to start with the ecosystem question first right and how do i see that working out uh, particularly i mean i feel the number one challenge for entrepreneurship in india and to sort of or the positive effects associated with a great entrepreneurial culture, which we have seen in Silicon Valley and the United States. They have taken advantage of that really well. Uh, The number one blockade that I see is not the ecosystem or the government support, but it's actually our mentality uh, right now as students or as young professionals starting a career. Uh, We have always been very, very risk averse as a nation. And that has a lot to do with our parents' upbringing as well and how we were brought up, right? Because historically we've been a lower middle income country, right? We haven't been one of the higher income countries. And what that that has led to is us typically being very risk averse because we're just trying to fulfill the basic needs of food, security, shelter, healthcare. And our parents' generation especially was really, really involved in that. And when you do that, you do not leave a lot of scope for going out and taking risks which may not pay off at all. So you can spend two years, three years, five years doing something. And ultimately, in terms of financial security, you don't have a lot to show for it. Even though you've learned a lot, but you can't really quantify that. Especially uh, to our parents' generation. So, Which is why even our generation, even though it's much better than our parents' generation, it's still fairly risk averse. So the number one challenge actually comes in, to just educating people of our age and especially younger, right? So starting from the ninth grade or eighth grade up till the fourth year of college, if you can just educate them that you know entrepreneurship is a viable career path, and yes, it's it's higher risk, but it's also higher reward ultimately, right? And that that is the equation we have to try and make them understand that even if you fail, it's fine. It's ultimately about the fear of failure. If you can be comfortable with failing we're going to see a lot more entrepreneurs in our nation. And that's what's going to push our development forward. Secondly, now just talking about the ecosystem in general, right? Uh, So the ecosystem, particularly from what I've seen since about 2012, 2013, right? So 2008, 2009 is when Flipkart, Snapdeal, and all of these guys really blew up. And then post that there was Ola coming in, and all of these, uh, you know, large startups and unicorns and cons which are there today coming in. So since then, there has been a constant upward trajectory in the overall size of the ecosystem, as well as the quality of the ecosystem. So both of the things are constantly improving. And obviously, you know, off late, the Startup India program, right, which was launched uh, by our government has been extremely beneficial in terms of simplifying the process of starting up. So to start up in India, typically, it was really, really hard to even get a company incorporated and then to fulfill all the compliances, etc. And it's still hard, right? We are not one of the easiest uh, countries to start something and do business in. And that's still true. But to some extent, there have been certain exemptions for startups and things to make the entire startup experience easier. So which is, if you're thinking about starting up right now, is the best time there has ever been in all of human history and especially our nation's history. So which is why uh, right now is a, a good time to seriously consider starting up something of your own if you have a great idea and you're passionate towards it.
0: Okay. So, okay. so let's forget about the government for a while. And uh, here is my uh, theory. Just hear it out. And uh, I, on based on that theory, I would like to hear uh, what is your perspective on uh, the future. So uh, what I see are uh, uh, our, our parents' generation. And as you rightly mentioned, they were all uh, with the mindset of their going to uh, do a government job. In fact, if you look at most of the parents today, they all did government jobs uh, when they were a uh, uh, far age. And that was the trend. India was a more of a socialist country and everybody was expected to do a government job. There was just one company that is government. So that was the mindset and uh, As uh, when uh, in 1990s, the market opened up uh, and uh, uh, private entities started coming in and capitalism happened and a lot of opportunities were created, but our parents did not groom uh, us to uh, take part in those activities to become capitalist uh, because our blood was in uh, socialism, communism, right? So having said that, uh, I think... I think COVID has disrupted many things, uh, especially the education. I I highly doubt that our future generation uh, who who were supposed to go to school or who were going to school, also schools and colleges, they're having a second thought. Should we go to colleges? What are they teaching us? And uh, uh, if YouTube is better than the the teachers uh, who are uh, teaching us. So having said that, I I see a lot of changes, change in mindset. People are catching up with the reality. Uh, Before there was a a big difference between perception and reality. And that is how you get stressed um, for just a hundred government jobs, crores of people are applying. So that was the reality one year back. But I strongly doubt that is the reality anymore. People are open now to become entrepreneurs, to try out uh, new things, to fight. So having said that, how do you see the future of India coming in five years or 10 years time?
1: Sure. Uh, So firstly, I'd like to commend you on the exact issue that you pointed out that, you know, we've been trying to become capitalist since the 1990s, but our blood internally, we're still socialist at heart, right? And that has a lot to do with how our country gained independence and what were the policies during that time, which we were born with. And which is why, especially if you talk about grandparents of parents, right? Whenever we talk about even large industrialists, right? You think of a large industrialist in the United States, whether it's a John D. Rockefeller, you know, in the 19th and 20th centuries, and whether it's Henry Ford, there is a huge sense of admiration that the common people look at them, that we want to be like them. There is admiration and respect. Here, a lot of times when you look at industrialists, the first thing is, okay, maybe, you know, he got lucky or there is some level of foul play involved. Maybe he had contacts in the government, which is why he was handed over something. So there is still a sense of disrespect that we show to our large, wealthy uh, industrialists. And that has a lot to do with our socialist mindset and our socialist blood. So which is what propagates into these things. But as you rightly mentioned, right, COVID particularly has been a great disruption in that sense because it showed everyone that the things we consider are safe. We consider a corporate job as being very safe. You'll get that fixed income, everything. At the end of it, they actually aren't that safe anymore because everyone is losing jobs across the private and the government sectors equally so. So which is why it's been that shocker to us that we are buying into the narrative of jobs being safe and entrepreneurship being risky. But it's really not that, right? It's really not that in this new reality that we live in jobs are equally risky, if not riskier, right? Particularly because you're not growing. When you're pursuing something of your own, your growth rate mentally and in terms of skills is much higher than it would be in a traditional job, right? And that's just because of what the job demands versus what starting something of your own demands and running it demands. It's just a matter of that. And which is why we have realized that if your growth rate doesn't match, you will be laid off. You're hearing of mass layoffs in even companies like Uber, right? For example, which were poised to be the next uh, $100 billion company, for example, and did not turn out to be that way. So which is why it's, it's actually been a reality check for all of us that the things we consider safe are not really so anymore. Talking specifically about ed tech, right? I have always believed that the purpose of college, right? If you think about it, how colleges started back in the 16th, 17th century, it was people who have done everything. So for example, like a Tesla would come in or Edison would come in who have lived their own life exploring and inventing from the ages of 20 to 60 and after that now they want to retire and because their body doesn't allow them to explore anymore which is why they just pass on their knowledge to the next generation and which is how colleges started it was from people who were operators themselves and used to execute and run things themselves who used to teach but now if you look at our education system right the people who are teaching in our colleges aren't necessarily the best of executors because They have been groomed to be teachers. So they have graduated their own college, right? They have done a PhD and then they're again just becoming a teacher. They haven't gone out into the real world and gained that level of experience or expertise, which they can pass on to the next generation. Which is why the core fundamental issue lies in our current education system. And it's across India as well as the United States. Versus now you come to something like a YouTube, right? YouTube, for example, you take in your example, Priya, right? You're starting... Uh, you've started ELI, you've done over 100 podcasts from what you tell me, right? And now you have a great sense of, okay, how to conduct a podcast, how to educate people. And you have your own knowledge of the startup ecosystem because you've executed. Now you teaching entrepreneurship will be much better than just someone who's done a PhD in entrepreneurship and just coming back in and never actually started up. So think of it that way. So now people get a chance to learn from you. Someone who's actually executing in the field and doing this stuff day in and day out and then teaching rather than just reading something up, doing a PhD and teaching. So, which is why YouTube and all of these EdTech platforms are revolutionizing education because they're taking us back to the original roots of education and how colleges were in, uh, started in the first place. So, that's that's my perspective on how the EdTech is shaping up and how it's going to be for us.
0: I think uh, very interesting points you have raised and another point I just want to add on to that. When colleges and uh, schools started initially, the purpose was to, uh, apart from the teachers, this purpose, uh, purpose was to bring many bright people together and discuss ideas, brainstorm on ideas and learn from there. So a lot of value of the colleges, especially the big colleges come, comes not from the teachers rather so the students, they come to the bright kids, they come to the, those institutions. but what has happened in uh, recent times especially the last 50 years or so uh, colleges have become the uh, factory of degree and uh, uh, a lot of uh, money involved in that and no real education happening no one is thinking critically and that that is also one aspect that uh, that has been missing in the current form of education and that is bound to fail so just yeah yeah
1: absolutely absolutely also just adding in one more point on that right You pointed out very rightly that it's become a factory of degrees. And what's happening is colleges have become a lot more like businesses. So the business model of a college is you take in a certain fee for four years and their product that they're giving you is that degree, right? And that's the product that they're selling you. So you pay 2 lakhs, 5 lakhs, 10 lakhs a year for four years and you're getting that one piece of paper is the product and their entire life revolves around how do we improve the status of that product? So that product for IIT, it's at a higher prestige than say for uh, other colleges, right? So which is why their now narrative is all aligned towards status signaling that our college is better, which is why our degree is more prestigious, which is why you have to pay us more money to get that and you have to make more efforts to get that so that is what is happening so you leave the top 10 20 colleges in any field in india the remaining 80 percent of the colleges right that's that's their core business model and they're operating as a business and they're very clear about that which is also something that they've had to give up during COVID, because you had news of colleges charging the same fee or even hiking the fee right even during the pandemic when they have no costs in terms of labor in terms of housing in terms of electricity they have no cost associated but they're still charging the same fees or charging a higher fees what does that tell you that their product is not the environment that they're giving you in their mind that product is that piece of paper which is the degree that they're giving you so that's that's uh you know one thought on that
0: i think colleges are uh, going through the same phase of uh, difference between reality and Uh, their uh, perception of what is real. So uh, uh, a lot of debate on that. Uh, Let's get back to our core topic. Now I'd like to ask you, uh, how did you find the right people to take your vision forward? I think you mentioned about your co-founder and you uh, both joined uh, hands uh, because of the common cause or common uh, problems you had. But uh, apart from uh, both of you, the others, how did you find them? How did you or recruit them. Uh, What are those things you saw in in a person uh, when you thought that they'll take your vision forward? Sure. So
1: uh, just to get you a sense of even the co-founder, right? Yes, you know, we've been on health journeys, but also one more fact is we have been friends since 10 years. So we are friends since the seventh grade of school, right? And we've been best friends since. And trust, again, is the supreme thing that's important in any co-founder relationship. Talking about the team, right? it's actually fairly similar to figuring out who's the right co-founder it's a very similar process so not nece- uh, so when i look for anyone to recruit into the team it's not necessarily just a ma- obviously skills are very important and skills is a basic necessary condition that you have to pass so for example let's say we took at profile x right and we rate all 10 contestants on a uh, and rank them from 1 to 10 we have 10 applicants right so you have to at least be a, a seven on 10 or an eight on 10, particularly in the skill set to go there. But after that, right? So once that necessary condition is done, skill set is not the sufficient condition. So apart from skill set, what's really, really important, and the only one thing that I look for, it's very simple, it's accountability. right? Can I tell this person to get this thing done? And then forget about it and I can just trust them with this and they'll do it and they'll give me an update. For example, versus I just go in and keep on asking them, ye ho gaya? or has this been done I take an update or I take a daily update from them. So instead of that, it's all a lot more about trust wherein you give them that responsibility and they feel that the company is their own and they're trying to also achieve the larger vision. That is honestly the only number one part because you know you can say uh, talk about a lot of things, whether it's a cultural fit, whether uh, their communication skills are good, et cetera, et cetera. You can name 20 different things right now. But from my experience, if they're accountable and they're, they have a sense of ownership, they will work on the remaining things and they'll be able to m- make up for it, right? But if you don't have that inherent sense of accountability or ownership, you are not growing with us. You're not growing with the rest of the team. And then you're just pulling the rest of the team back, right? So which is why just ownership and accountability, it's, it's essentially the same thing. That is the only thing that I particularly look for, that because I know you you may not you may be a six on ten in skill set versus the other applicant may be a nine on ten. But I know in three months' time you'll reach a nine on ten if you're accountable and you have a sense of ownership in the company. So that's that's particularly been my learning, and that's the number one thing that I look for in uh, anyone who's trying to be a part of our team.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, now let's come to the very interesting question. Uh, how did you raise funds?
1: Sure, sure, sure. So, particularly, right, uh, fundraising particularly, uh, there's, there's one key learning that I've had from the entire system, right? And this is, I have talked to all of the major VCs that uh, you have uh, presently functioning in India, whether it's Sequoia, Matrix, etc., the top leagues, to the best angel investors, right? Whether it's Ritesh, founder of OYO, as i mentioned founders of beard etc i have had a wide range of conversations uh you know with all of them and that's been an aspect of fundraising that's been really good but the number one key learning essentially is the companies that raise funds are essentially the companies that don't need to raise a lot of funds right just just think about that that it's it's very easy for a company to raise funds that actually does not need to raise funds because their business model in itself is very sustainable and they will continue to thrive even if they don't raise funds. That is what investors look for. That even if we choose not to fund this company, this company won't die, it will still continue to grow. And by not investing, we are the ones missing out on this opportunity because regardless of whether we invest or not, these guys are going to continue to grow. With our funds, we can just make that growth faster, right? So that has just been the key learning that always try to uh, build a company, assuming you will never have to raise funds and you will never be able to raise funds and build a company that way, which is what we've done from the start. If you're able to build a company that way, raising funds then is a piece of cake, very honestly, right? Even right now, uh, our round, right, the round we were trying to raise initially the amount, A, we have doubled that, the actual amount we have raised and even the amount we have raised, right? we have received commitments of over double of that amount as well. So we wanted to raise, let's say, 100 uh, rupees, and we had commitments worth 400 rupees essentially. And the reason for that was nothing but what I just mentioned, that build a company assuming you will never have to raise funds. So we were a profitable venture throughout and throughout, right? We've been EBITDA positive, and we, And again, maintaining growth while being profitable. And in the COVID times, suddenly there's been a lot of focus around sustainable, healthy companies, that are turning a profit, that are able to charge their customers. Because profit at the end of the day, right? Profit doesn't mean anything. It just means how much value you've added to your customer's life because that's how much they're willing you to pay. If you have a bad product, customers won't pay you a lot. Hence, you will not make uh, profits, right? If you have a good product that is adding a lot of value in your customer's life, they will pay you a certain percentage of that value. And if that is uh, more than the amount you... uh, have to invest to create that product, then you're uh, a profitable company. It's that simple. So always try and be profitable is, uh, you know, the one key learning that I've had. Then fundraising is a piece of cake after that.
0: I think this is a very interesting theory. And uh, although I agree to it, and if it were true, here comes my next question. Um, if your business is sustainable, even if uh, you don't get funds, you'll still grow. Why? As a founder, would you dilute your stakes?
1: Sure. sure. So there are a couple of reasons here, right? Uh, Number one is, uh, you know, uh, even though you're profitable, right, there is is a certain rate of growth, right? So the the way the economics work, the working capital, for example, I invest 100 rupees in making this green tea. Then after that, uh, I give it to the customer and that customer then pays 200 to the delivery COD person, right? It gets delivered to them. And that 200 rupees, then the courier company transfers that back to me after a month, roughly. right? So this entire working capital, it's a 90-day to 180-day cycle. So if you're growing very fast, you will keep on running out of money in the bank because you're just investing so much in more inventory, more products, and you're just shipping them out. And the money from the customer takes time to hit your bank back. So which is why to essentially have that accelerated growth, because it's a physical product as well. It's not a purely tech startup. In a tech startup, it has infinite scalability, right? Because you don't have to invest for every additional user on your app. It's the same framework. But for physical products, you have to make that investment. So that was number one in terms of business reason. But secondly, right, which is the more important reason we raised funds, it's it's a lot more about strategic access. So when uh, raising funds, right, we were always very clear that we're going to raise funds on our terms. So actually, we picked... The investors that we wanted to raise funds from so we had commitment from for example 100 people and we chose the top 20 that we want that these will be a part of our company going forward because they add a lot more strategic value right so i have founders who have themselves created brands in the last two three years and those brands are worth thousands of crores and they are coming in as investors and the moment they're investors they're also advisors so it's a lot more about strategic capital and that's also something that needs to be equally considered that it's, it's a lot more about the strategy aspect of having other people be invested in your company through their money and then once they're invested, they help you in growing in multiple ways, whether it's international expansion. So we have a set of angel investors who, are, who have very good experience in internationally expanding and scaling products. So it's, it's a lot more about strategy also on that front that comes in. So these are the two core reasons why we decided to raise funds.
0: Very interesting. Okay. Uh... Uh, perhaps uh, uh, my last few questions, uh, first thing is, w- tell us some of the funny instances you have uh, faced uh, or you have gone through uh, while raising funds or uh, talking to investors.
1: Sure. Uh, so, I mean, number one, right, so there's one that comes up on the top of my head because it's, it's always a thing that pops up. So particularly uh, what happens is, so you pitch to investors and everything. And after that, they obviously try and Google you They do a rough search. So, if you if you just Google, let's say, Devansh China Namal, you'll see an article uh, that comes in that I, I was actually one of the toppers of the CAT exam, right? The Common Admission Test, the MBA one. I was one of the toppers. I got 99.96 percentile. And then I got uh, accepted into IM, Ahmedabad, Bangalore, as well as Calcutta. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to uh, go for my MBA right now to actually continue to work on my startup, right? So, I gave up opportunities from and C to work on my startup. And that is always a good conversation starter that these, these guys have. That Why are you doing this? Why are you so invested particularly in that? right? And after that, my commitment is never a question to them because they know what I've sort of given up. So that's, that's one thing that already pops up. Secondly is uh, in our pitch deck, right? So we send out to investors, right? And this is just something if someone is looking to raise funds in the near future, this is a small tip for them. You'll see lots of these templates, which you know, This is the perfect pitch deck. Page 1 for this, page 4 for this, page 10 for this. And this is the perfect pitch deck. For us, right, we don't follow that template. For us, the first page of the pitch deck, right, like the company name, hona chi, vision, mission statement, et cetera, hona for us, the first page of the pitch deck is just a before and after photo of me and my co-founder, Akshay. So that is literally all we show in the first slide of the pitch deck. It's just our before-after. So I was 130 kilos. Now I'm 78 kilos. Akshay again, over 100 kilos. Now he's also 70 kilos. So that we that's the first slide we show. And which is why everyone we've ever pitched to remembers us. Because that's the thing they see. So, you know, fundraising or pitching, it's not so much about uh, particularly being very technical or being, you know, on point, knowing your numbers or anything. So it's, it's a lot more emotional. So at the end of the, day, investors are also people on the other side. If they like you as a person, yeah, he's a fun person to work with. I'll have fun working with them. They they'll invest in you, right? And that's 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 also something that happens a lot of times that people don't realize that you just have to be a chilled out, fun person in general for anyone to want to work with you. And that that is also sort of something that happens a lot.
0: I think after hearing your your story, I remember a story of uh, Biju's. Uh, he was uh, also had he went through a similar phase when he was called by different IIMs and he did not join and build his venture. And I have no doubt that your venture will become a unicorn very soon. Uh, Thanks. Thank you so much. Having said that, uh, perhaps my last question to you, uh, Devanj. Uh, how do you suggest our audience to start their journey as entrepreneurs? Sure, so particularly right,
1: uh, what I'm assuming your audience must be our age group and slightly younger, right? So that's that's where the Context will come in. Uh, Particularly, right? uh, See, to start, you know, there is no better advice than just go right into it and start, right? Because I'll tell you what, the moment you start thinking about things a little too much, you'll never start because you start seeing the 100 potential problems. And let me tell you, there is no idea or no startup that did not have a list of 100 potential reasons why it will not work before they started. But the only way you can test that is just go deep dive into it, right? And, you know, I think this is this is not something that's mind-blowing advice. Everyone knows this internally. You know, whenever we're doing something in our day-to-day life, right? But even when you have to start studying for an exam, if we just keep on thinking, we're taking stress, when will we study? Do we not have enough time? We, we'll never be able to study. You just go and sit on sit on your desk and start studying. So it's, it's the same thing with everything in life, including starting up. But typically what happens is the reason people aren't able to follow that is something that I'll just tie in back to the original thing, because that is something that subconsciously a lot of us fear failure, right? We fear that if we fail, maybe our friends will make fun of us. Maybe, you know, because startup failure is a very public thing. Because if you're starting up, you'll have to promote it, you're going to have to be that spokesperson, and you're going to have to tell it to all your friends, their friends, your social media, everything. You're the one who's going to have to blow your own horn, because that's the only way you're getting any recognition and any sort of marketing at the starting levels. So now they think that I'll do all of this. And if I fail, everyone will think I'm a failure for the rest of my life. Which is why, you know, that that's really not true because very honestly, everyone is very consumed in their own lives to think about your failure. Number one, right? Recognize that, right? No one is just fixated on, okay, whether want should be successful or not. So it's fine. Even if you fail, it's it's fine, particularly. And just, just having that level of comfort with failure, it's, it's very good because right now we're what? Like 21, 22, or even 18 years old. We can afford to fail. We have our whole lives ahead of us, right? So we can afford to fail once, twice, thrice. It doesn't matter. Right now, our stakes are very low. I'm sure we aren't married. We don't have kids to feed. We don't have a wife to take care of. We don't have family to take care of, which is why if that's a situation, you can try out a lot of things and fail a lot of times before you find what's really right for you. And if you're lucky, you'll find it the first time or the second time. If you're not, you'll take a couple of more tries, but eventually you will get there. And that is still much better than, you know, becoming 40 years old and living out an entire half of your career and then realizing that I just went into that right race and I did not really think a lot about what I wanted to do. And at 40 years old, then you're thinking about switching careers and starting from a fresh... It pays off a lot more to take those risks now because the stakes are very low. Even if you fail, hopefully you will not die, right? So, which is why it, it, it pays off to take those risks right now. So, which is why just just go all in and just try out a bunch of stuff.
0: Okay. Uh, I think we have come to end of this session and it was a great session, to be honest. Uh, it was a great pleasure uh, to host you and our audience would have got lifetime lessons from this video. Thanks Devansh and our best wishes for a healthy company.
1: Thanks, thanks, Priya, for having me. Uh, all the best to you for Eli and what you're doing with Eli. It's something that's absolutely needed, and and it's something that I'm sure you're going to inspire the next generation of leaders in our country. And that is a great responsibility to have on you. But that that's also, I'm sure, it keeps you awake at night. And things like these are are what excite us. Right? This is the excitement of life, trying to make an impact into other people's life. Right? This is what all being human is all about, trying to impact everyone around us and making collective society uh, a lot better and you're doing exactly that with ELI so all the best man kudos to you
0: thank you and that really validates my work uh, VRC can follow and connect with Devansh on LinkedIn by typing Naval. also do visit their website uh, on the healthycompany.in that is it for today's episode we'll be back with another exciting entrepreneur stay tuned to ELI